I love where Paul says to the church in Corinth, I wanted to visit you and to come back to you from Macedonia. Why do I love that? Well, not just because of that statement, (laughs) but he says, so that you might have a second experience of grace. That's pretty rad. I know that's an 80s word. I don't care. Not grace, rad. But you might have a second experience of grace. Lord, I want that. Whatever that means, and you know, all kinds of different Bible teachers can give you their thoughts and analysis, and I'm sure that many of them would be helpful and would be relevant, but just the thought, just the word, just the statement, I wish I could come back to you so you can have a second experience of grace. (laughs) You know, I'm on the radio right now because I want you to have a second experience of grace. A second experience? Why? Because it means that there's always more. That no matter where you have been or what you have experienced when it comes to grace already, there's a second experience. (laughs) There's always more when it comes to grace. I just never pondered or really read that scripture in the way that I did recently when I read just in what seems to be kind of a, not a mundane statement, but a routine introduction where he's saying, I want to come back to you. I am in Macedonia and all of this. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that you might have a second experience of grace. (laughs) I love that. And it's in the scripture that is well known by many of us as Christians, where he then goes on to say, are all the promises of God yes and no? Nope. Surely as God is faithful, it is not yes and no, for the promises of God are yes and amen to God for his glory. I like that. That's it. So another scripture Yes and amen. It's a wonderful truth. All the promises of God are not if and but or maybe. In other words, they're not based on, okay, like the old covenant. If you do this, then God will do that. That's old covenant And most Christians, I think, still think that way. I'm not saying you or I. I am saying that most Christians in the United States think, if I do this, then God will do that. Old Testament. Old Covenant. What is the New Testament? And covenant, not if and then, but yes and amen. Praise be to Jesus Christ. He has established it. So I like that Paul here is saying the promises of God are no longer yes and no, but they are yes and amen. Why? For his glory. Let's think about that this morning. Our Father is glorified when we experience His promises. They are yes and amen for His glory. He is glorified when we experience His promises. It is to the glory of God. Now, we all want, as Christians, God to be glorified, don't we? And the way that God is glorified is when we experience his promises in our lives. That is when he gets the praise. 
he gets the credit. Man, I love this grace thing that we talk about every single day. And if you want to join in the conversation, you can um, call in on Fridays. We open up the phone lines free for all Friday. Or you can uh, email me um, through my website, peterjohncorson.com. Love to hear from you this week. Love to hear from you what your take is on grace. Your thoughts are on grace. What you have experienced in grace. Grace, grace, grace. I remember when I was a pastor in uh, Dana Point, California. And one of the well-established families that loves my children very much an, an older couple now, they had a conference with me, a little a meeting, and speaking for both her and her husband, she says, you talk about grace so much. If you talk about it once more, I feel like I'm gonna, and she made a, you know, that when you put the finger in your mouth, like the vomiting thing, I'm gonna throw up. I'm like, all right, just don't do it on me. I didn't say that. I was thinking that. And they're a great couple, too. That's the funny thing. But I can't help it. I can't help it because I believe that is the message of the gospel. And yes, the message of the Bible. I mean, I'm reading through the Bible like many of you do, like some of you do, like maybe a couple of you do. I'm reading through the Bible, and right now I'm in the book of Judges. <laughs> and you're thinking, okay, so Pete, how can you say the whole Bible is full of grace? You're reading Judges. You just read Joshua. There's battles and wars and commandments. I know. That's why you got to include Jesus Christ in your mind and in your thinking when you're reading the Bible. Then... Once again, you realize it is finished. There's everlasting life.
God does not want you to live by the knowledge of good and evil. <laughs> he wants you to live by life. He said to Eve, he said to Adam, the day you eat of this tree, you will die. Why is it that we have so often made Christianity into a form of knowledge of good and evil? In everyday decisions, is this good or evil? Is this right or wrong? When in fact, we see at the very beginning of the Bible, God goes beyond right and wrong. And the gospel, therefore, is not the knowledge of good and evil. The gospel is spirit and life. God goes beyond right and wrong in the Garden of Eden. Can, can you fathom that? Or are you so steeped in Christianity, which is a religion, that you can't understand that God wants you to live not by the knowledge of good and evil, not by is this right or wrong, but he wants you to live by spirit and life. That's the New Testament. That's the New Covenant. It, it sets me free, man. Not free to be a sinner. It sets me free knowing I am a sinner, but I'm not saved because I overcome sin. I'm saved because Jesus Christ became sin, overcame sin, declared it is finished. And now I believe Too often we make Christianity a matter of good and evil. S yet, I believe something, because we're in the new covenant, something may be right and yet still be wrong for you. Something might not be wrong in and of itself, but it's wrong for you. I, I, I know that's true for me. I know in both cases, what I just said, there are things in my life where I go, it might be right for other people, but it's wrong for me. And, and also, I, I also have things that go, it's not wrong for other people, but it is wrong for me. Because God puts it on my heart. And there may even be things that are wrong for other people, but are right for you and me. <laughs> I know it sounds like heresy to some Christians. It's because they don't understand the new covenant, in my opinion. Now, God's not going to contradict himself. He's not going to write one thing in his word in the New Testament and then put on your heart something that contradicts it. That's why I'm so grateful for the New Testament. That's why I'm so grateful for his word. Just reading through the Bible, if something comes up where I go, oh, I, I didn't know that, then I take the Bible above what I think or feel. But if the Bible does not contradict what I think or feel, then I know this is the New Covenant. Here's an example I want to talk to you about. About the law of the new covenant when the disciples, Peter, James, and John, and I've talked to you about their names, what they mean. Peter means rock. 
James means above or instead. John means grace. Grace has replaced, is above the rock. What rock? Not the big rock, the little rock. What's that? Not in Arkansas. The little rock, I mean the Ten Commandments. Grace is above the Ten Commandments. If you take the names Peter, James, John. Okay, but my point right now is not that, but here they're on the Mount of Transfiguration, right? And God says, the Father says to them audibly, listen to my son, hear ye him. God said that to to Peter, James, and John. That's the, the law of the new covenant. Hear he him. Listen to my son. Hebrews 1, verse 1. That writer says, In various times God spoke in various ways, but now he has spoken to us once and for all through his son, Jesus Christ. So the new covenant is listen to my son son, right? Okay. They're freaked out, Peter, James, and John. They're on the ground. They're overcome, overwhelmed. They're in a state of awe. They're in a state of state of shock. And Jesus touches their shoulders and says, rise, don't be afraid. I love that. What were the first words? What was the first commandment as it were, so to speak, after God the Father declares, listen to my son. The first words that Jesus spoke was, rise, don't be afraid. What was the the first commandment, if you would, the first words of Jesus after the new covenant, the law of the new covenant has been established by God. God establishes the new covenant. Listen to my son. What were the first words after that was spoken? Rise. Don't be afraid. I love that. Look at all the, the wonderful um, confirmations of the new covenant. The, the beautiful little nuances that you can read in, in the scriptures, like what I just mentioned about the Mount of Transfiguration. I mean, under the Old Covenant, or in the Old Testament, well, let's just say in the time of Moses, right? Take off your shoes, Moses, you're in my presence, right? Shoes off under the law, so to speak. At least under Moses, right? The prodigal son in the story Jesus tells has been in the pig pen, wasted his money, lived a life of, of shame, and he comes back home and the father runs out, hugs him and says, put shoes on his feet, get out the shoes, shoes off under the law, shoes on in the new covenant. I mean, look at just all of the things Jesus does. I mean, we could spend the rest of the day, we could spend the rest of our lives just considering. I mean, you weren't supposed to spit on the ground. According to the Pharisees on the Sabbath day, they, they, you know that, right? That one of their Sabbath laws, they, they not only took the 600 and 
whatever amount of laws there were in the old covenant. They took those and then added fences around those, borders around those. So there were laws after laws after laws. And one of their laws, as you probably know, was you're not allowed to spit on the ground on the Sabbath day (laughs) because you could possibly be creating clay or mud. So what does Jesus do when he heals on the Sabbath day? He spits on the ground. (laughs) What else does Jesus do? He touches a leper. And yet at the same time, he says to the Pharisees, you're hypocrites. Wow. I love Jesus. Surrender. 
Answer your prayers, live in your heart, renew your mind, heal your body, provide for your needs. Why does the Lord God protect you, bless you, encourage you, direct you? Why? Because, he says, I will remember your sins no more. See, that is the power of all of the new covenant found in Hebrews chapter 8, where the writer is quoting from Jeremiah. And he gives us the new covenant that the Old Testament writer, Jeremiah, was pointing out, speaking of perhaps not even knowing fully the ramifications of what he was saying as a covenant that was yet to be fulfilled, yet now it is. And you read in Jeremiah and is quoted in Hebrews in the New Testament about this covenant I will make with the house of Israel in those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people, and they shall not teach each one his neighbor, saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest, because I will be merciful towards their iniquities and will remember their sins no more. <laughs> what is the because? I will remember their sins no more. That's the significant. That is what signifies the cause. Those are the effects that I just read in the new covenant. The effects I just read, I will be their God. I will write my will on their minds and in their hearts. Each one will know me from the least to the greatest. Those are the effects, but the cause is because I will remember their sins no more. So if we're trying to preach all those other stuff, which is beautiful, all the things of the new covenant about the law of God in your mind and your heart, or that you know the Lord, or it's the least to the greatest as we just read, but we don't preach that last clause. We leave that out. We preach the new covenant without the power of the engine. 
that make sense? It's like this. I have more energy because I remember Krispy Kreme donuts no more. We don't have a Krispy Kreme in the Rogue Valley. So now I have more energy. I'm not as fat. I uh, feel better. So I have more energy because. So what's the cause of having more energy, being less fat and feeling better? No Krispy Kreme. I don't even remember Krispy Kreme anymore. So why? We have the engine, right? We have all of the blessings that are mentioned in the New Covenant. That I have God's law in my mind and my heart. He is my God. I am his in his people. Um, he will, I, I don't need someone to teach me because I know the Lord from the least to the greatest. That's all of the, the energy. That's all of the, the promises. But th- those are all the effects. But the cause is, I will remember your sins no more. So don't leave out the last cause. Don't leave out the cause. What is that? I remember your sins no more. That last cause is what makes the effect happen. Because you see, if God remembers my sin, or I assume that God remembers my sin, or my Conscious is telling me God remembers my sin. None of that other stuff is going to have any effect. I like it says in this new covenant, you will all know me from the least to the great. He could have said from the greatest to the least. That's what I would thought he might have said, but no, from the least to the greatest. See, when you think you are nothing, God will make you something. Here's an example of that, Moses, right? Stuttering problem, right? Yet it was said of Moses when he was in Egypt that he was mighty in words. It was in that very area of his stuttering that God made him mighty in words. God used him. So where do you stutter? Where do you sputter? Where are you limping? When I am weak, then I am strong. Too often when I'm strong, that's when I'm weak.
which is worth about not even two cents. But all too often in the church, within our culture, we hear half the gospel. By that, I mean, we know our sins are forgiven, but we're not made aware of our righteousness. In my opinion, we know that Jesus took our place on the cross. But the other half is not only did he take what we deserve, but now we take what he deserves. We take Jesus's place because Jesus gave us his place. As I've said on this program before, but I'm going to keep saying, he who knew no sin became sin that we might be the righteousness of God. Did Jesus become sin when he sinned? Or I should say, did Jesus become sin because he sinned? No, he never sinned, yet he became sin. So too, do you become righteous because you've done righteous? righteously no just like jesus became sin even though he never sinned you are now righteous and it has nothing to do with your righteousness he received your sin now you receive his righteousness i think we often emphasize your sins are forgiven but people are not aware of their righteousness. And Christianity is not about what you renounce or what you do or what you don't do. It's about what you receive. You receive salvation. And not only does it begin at salvation, but now the entire Christian life is continued on through receiving. Here's what you do. Believe everything about Jesus. Stand in awe of what he deserves and then be stunned by, blessed by, knowing that you get what Jesus deserves. What a gospel. I'm so proud of our quote unquote religion. There's nothing like it in the world. Even if it's not true, no story, no worldview, no philosophy is as beautiful as the gospel. And the blessing is that it is true. 
Listening to that, I want to get baptized. I wish I could. (laughs) I want to be dunked after listening to that. Though I cannot be baptized again, as it were, I can have my feet washed. Not literally so much in this day and age, in my opinion. It's what it represents every day. Jesus wants to wash my feet with water. The water of his word, the water of his grace, and then dry those feet. So often if you just stay wet because you're in the word, um, you got to get dried off with his garment as well. Listen to what Romans chapter 5 says You know the scripture, but it's so beautiful that when we're going through difficulty, it says, while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Okay, you know that scripture, right? But the one right before it, not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that our suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and that hope does not put us to shame and then it says for while we were still weak so if you put it together when i am weak all of these things that god is doing in my life whether it's the suffering I'm going through or the pain I'm feeling, it produces endurance, character, and hope. For while we were still weak, Christ died for the ungodly. When I am weak, then I am strong. When I am weak, I feel, I sense his grace. Not when I'm strong. 
Not when I'm on top of things. When I'm at the bottom. That's when I can feel, when I do feel his grace. How beautiful. I love sharing the gospel. It does good for the soul, right? Come out tonight to the church here at Applegate Christian Fellowship for our Wednesday night Bible study in the book of Isaiah. Last week, we looked at Isaiah 6, one of the most beautiful passages in all of the Bible and one of the most beautiful ways to, for it to be taught by John Corson, a.k.a. Pops. So come out tonight because Isaiah chapter 7, chapter 9, can't remember what's in chapter 8, but I'm sure it's good too. Isaiah 7 and 9, two of the most beautiful scriptures in all of the Bible. No wonder it's called the fifth gospel, but looking forward to that. Looking forward to seeing you. And if, you, if you're too far away, you say, I wish I could go, but I, I live in, you know, Boise or Billings or Medford. Wait a minute, not Medford. You should still be here, but you know what I'm saying. It'll be on the air as well tonight. So you can keep tuned in to KAPL. Thank you for tuning in today. I had a great time. I hope you were able to hear the word of the Lord in your heart. And should he tarry and not come back today, which I I hope he does. I really do. But if he doesn't, I'll talk to you tomorrow. God bless you.